People deluded, I'm back again. Good morning on this fine Tuesday morning. I hope you're all doing well and safe. Those of you that are listening, welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast. And if you're checking in for the first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button or your notification buttons because you know I'm good for this. You know I make good content. You know I go against the grain. Now, let's get straight into it. The games are coming thick and fast. We're truly in the midst of things in terms of the Premier League. Let's just jump straight into the Premier League action and let's start with my team. Now, Liverpool defeated Arsenal three goals to one. Now, I can't tell any other Arsenal fan what to feel. First and foremost, congratulations to Jurgen Klopp and his men. I feel they deserve the win. I feel it never looked in doubt. I feel beyond somehow bizarre circumstances which saw Lacazette score, we posed no threat. We had a shot on goal. I believe of the three shots we had um, on target, they all fell to Lacazette. Aubameyang didn't have a shot. Um... El Nene worked hard in the midfield, but again, he's limited. Jacko was anonymous. We had no midfield. You know, it was a poor performance from everybody collectively. We win, lose or draw together. And I don't really like the language I'm seeing both from Arteta and Bellerin. I don't disagree with anything they've said. Liverpool are superior side. They're a good team. They're this, that and the other. And they also went on to say things I agreed with. But again, for me, it's disappointing, you know. Liverpool learnt more about themselves playing Leeds, a team that's not been in the Premier League for 16 years, than they did about us. And again, the Liverpool players are quality. Liverpool have quality all over. But did Liverpool's quality show for these goals or did we hand them to them? Every goal was a cheap goal. For me, I only wanted two things. I wanted, if we do lose this game, which I expected, let's just sit here and say, you know what, Mane's quality made the difference. This guy's quality made the difference. And Mane had a quality game. But I'm sure Liverpool fans will understand you didn't have to get out of first, let alone second gear, you know. So I wanted to see no cheap goals. Make Liverpool work if they are to win. If they are to win, make them show us why they're league champions. I also wanted integrity in the performance. You know, not cheap goals. I wanted integrity. I wanted to leave that field with some sort of face saved. Now, I do think in true Arsenal fan fashion, you've got people being ridiculously negative, people being ridiculously positive. You do need to understand we are playing the league champions. But for me, it's irrelevant who we play in because, you know, we didn't do all we can to fight against the result. We handed it to them three cheap goals. No matter how good they are, we handed them those goals. You know, we never looked in it. We mentally, we never looked in it. You know, players, you know, when we've played Liverpool before and we've played this defensive sort of system and whatnot, when we have had possession, players have wanted it. Nobody on that football field looked like they wanted to play a game of football. The ball is getting stuck under feet. People are playing five-yard passes. Defence are not talking. There's a lack of communication. The only... The only Thing I was truly happy was with this first 20 minutes because that's it, it's how it was going, how I expected, you know, Liverpool high line. Like I said in, in, in my live stream, and I think statistically it's been backed up, Van Dijk must have touched the ball the most times on that field. He, he spent it trying to show why he's the modern day fullback, I mean, centre half, spraying the balls. You've got Trent and Robertson, you know, they're central to Liverpool's plans. Don't let them get forward, you know. Don't let them get plenty of touches. And Trent Alexander-Arnold probably could have had three assists. I think he's technically got one um, for his hand to play in Jota's goal. Obviously, he was involved in this in the, in Mane's goal, which was the most disappointing for me for several reasons. It should have been cut out further up the field. Tierney's, you know, overcommits and he's completely done by Salah and he's dabbing. You know, rare bad game from Tierney. He's still a bad boy. It happens. You know, we've locked down Salah enough times. This is the balance of life. Xhaka and David Luiz, if you're going to bring down Keita, make sure it's a foul. It's two. You should be winning the ball anyways. There's two of you, you know. Keita's a strong lad. Them Senegalese, man, are very tough. He's got that African strength. He's a vet, you know, he's got it. You know, Keita's a player I know a lot about because I used to watch him when he was before Liverpool. But bring him down. If you're going to make the foul, you know, you haven't made the foul. It's a shambles from everybody that I've mentioned already. Ball comes in. I don't know what Leno is doing really and truly. And Mane's not going to score an easier goal. And Mane gets on the score sheet. He's had a great time like he does having playing against Arsenal. And he's one of the best players in the Premier League, if not the out and out best player in the Premier League for me, you know. Toss up between him, Salah, Kevin De Bruyne and, you know, the usual suspects. But, you know, you can't really argue someone feels Mane is the best. Mane is a terrific player. 
you know. I don't think we played terrible. I don't think it was a shambles. I just think it's a case of fine margins. I just think I'm not looking at I'm not looking at the minimum now, you know. The minimum, I shouldn't have to praise you for the minimum. I shouldn't have to praise you when we play in, in a cup final to be switched on defensively. I shouldn't have to praise you. That's the minimum if you want to win a trophy. Against Liverpool, it weren't there, you know. In previous clashes against Liverpool, when we've had possession, we've wanted to go forward. We didn't look like we had anything. I'm not going to complain about Aubameyang on the flanks because he scores goals going into the game. I get the logic behind it. He gives Trent Alexander something to think about. But Trent said, "F F Aubameyang today. I'm going to be. I'm going to do what I need to do on the flanks." And games like this, I know obviously Aubameyang next to Van Dijk is a mismatch, but play it over the top for him. You know, play it into space and, and and stuff like that, which we felt we failed to do. You know, the only positive for me is we looked half decent in the first twenty. There was a decent reaction in the second half. And that's about it, and you know that's about it. Like we weren't poor, but it's the it's the fine margins. And for me, it's about game management. Conceded two goals in about five minutes. There was about a hundred and thirty odd seconds between Argyle and Liverpool. So that already tells me game management. You're most vulnerable when you've just conceded. Arsenal are not ringing that. Arsenal need to understand that that rings true. So it's game management in that aspect. For me as well, there's gonna be time. You don't think if you ask Jurgen Klopp over that course of the campaign last year, there weren't times where what happened against um what happened against Arsenal for then happened to happen for them in their favour in the sense of they're all, all they're all over us. We're hanging on, you know. We had David Luiz, Bellerin, Leno holding with some heart and mouth moments, blocking and saving and whatnot. But we, we we turned around and scored. You don't think that's happened for as great as Liverpool have been? You don't think that's happened over a 38 game period? The difference is if Liverpool were to take that lead, Jurgen Klopp would say to them if, if he needed to, because Van, Van Dijk and that would pattern it, which they have done, even against Leeds, and say, boy, lads, we don't deserve to be ahead. Let's f fix up now. You know, let's pattern up. You know, no more stupid mistakes. And that's what we found ourselves in. You should say, boys, I'm not going to lie. We don't deserve to be one nil up, but let's let's not lose it. Or if Liverpool want to score, make it tough for them. You know, the last two games against Liverpool have been have been tough for Liverpool. You know, yeah, we got a bit of fortune at the Emirates, and it was a bit open in the Community Shield. It could have went either way, but that for me, you know, showed intent, showed desire. You know, it showed the players listened to the game plan, but there's too many mental aspects that we failed. You know, we looked scared, we looked defeated at all aspects, things that weren't there in the previous game. So when I'm hearing, you know, Liverpool are a great side and stuff, give credit to them. And, and that's why they won today. But on many logic, it's not. We shot ourselves in the foot like we have done in several big games. You know, we make the, 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 the task easier. And Klopp's laughing, you know. Didn't have to get out of first gear. Three goals. You know, the only thing is that they messed up the clean sheet. That's it. That's the only thing Klopp can get onto them. What is he going to learn about his team this, 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 this game, you know? What has he learned about Trent, you know? What has he learned about Robertson? Rare Robertson made a mistake and that was a Sunday league moment collectively by both teams. You know, it was a, yeah, we can say we played out from the back, but it was very scrappy with Maitland Niles putting it in, with Lacazette keeping it going, with Robertson slicing it, with Lacazette actually scrapping after the slicing, slicing the shot. That was it, you know. What question marks did you ask of Liverpool, you know? Because you should, you know, Klopp should be looking at his team like everybody's a target, you know. Everybody feels good and they're playing, but there's people that want to take spots. Who, you know, who looked questionable on that Liverpool team that Klopp's thinking, boy, let me take out the team? Nobody. And for Arsenal, you know, I got faith in Arteta, but maybe Arteta got a bit wrong because Xhaka was anonymous, but I get why he started. Elnene held it up as much as he could, but you know Elnene's skill set isn't going to really help us in a game like this beyond the engine. It's always the player that misses out that everybody talks about should have been playing. But honestly, I think Ceballos, within two minutes of being on the field, showed that we is lacking. That being said, you know, I feel Mo Salah was quiet, but Ceballos was, it was too easy from Ceballos to allow Salah to keep that in play. The ball that led to Trent's putting it in for Yota, too easy. And to be fair, Salah had a, a hand to play in two goals, but I think it was, I know he's a better player than he played. Um, it, it, it is, it is what it is, man. Like As Arteta put it, we were in a big game for a bit. We were in the game for a big part of the game. I'm not too sure we ever was, people, because mentally I don't think we was ever there. The reality is they are superior to us in many aspects. You could see that in some phases. I'm really happy in the way the team the the team competed and kept believing this is the standard we have to reach. We're on a different journey. They have been together for five months. We have five years we have had a few months and I get that but all of that is irrelevant to a degree it's relevant because you said it when we beat these teams 
but it's irrelevant. It's nothing to do. They didn't beat us because they're a superior team. You know, we didn't. They didn't have to show their quality. You know, they didn't. Mane didn't have to show why he's heaps and bounds above everybody. We gifted them their goals. I know I wouldn't agree with that. We competed. You know, there was a positive second half. I I, I like the first twenty personally. You know, we did have some chances we could have scored. I'm not gonna get on Lacazette, but Lacazette should have had a. You know, should have had at least a brace. Um. But I don't think it was there. We defeated us way before we stepped onto that field. We looked defeated, Arteta. So personally, I can't really agree with this, really. It sounds a bit too... I'm not saying be negative, but it sounds a bit too positive. He said, they scored too early. A big mistake from us. I had a feeling we were going to have chances in the second half. We probably had the best chance of the game. You have to put them in the net when you have chances against them. We have a long way to go in many things. And that's true. We have a massive long way to go. And this is what I mean. Like I don't think many Arsenal fans... But for those Arsenal fans that ever had a full sense of confidence off the back of two good cup wins, off the back of Arteta obviously showing us what we want to see from a manager, don't let that wall be pulled over your eyes. This is a massive task and players like games like this show our level. Arteta until he's blue in the face can tell them all the tactics. The players mentally have to be at it. And this is where it goes into it. Yes, Liverpool are a better side, but the minimum you have to believe. You know, Liverpool had to work against Leeds. Leeds genuinely believed they could beat Liverpool. Of course, they were sloppy for some of their goals and Liverpool showed their quality. But you have to have belief. It never looked collectively that we believed we could get something out of this game. Whether we was losing, winning or drawing, regardless of if we was in their final third or not. That's just me personally. Bellerin kind of agreed with, with Arteta and said... I think with the chances we are creating, I felt we had chances of drawing or winning the game. Be nice if you could take a throw in Bellerin. Um, when you come to Liverpool away, you have you have your you have to score your chances and not commit the mistakes we made. The difference is very fine margins. We made mistakes in the goals and our chances didn't go in. We were way more effective in other games we played against them. We gave them a good fight, but we're frustrated. We're getting better every day. And I can't agree with what you said, Bellerin. Anything you, you said, I mean, can't disagree with anything you said. It's a game of fine margins. You boys knew this, you know, and I'm seeing people not tracking runners. William is anonymous, hardly had any touches. Defence defense is looking nervous. There's no communication. People, nobody, I'm looking at the field, nobody genuinely, over that 90 minutes, I don't think there was a player out in Arsenal's team that genuinely wanted the ball, you know, I didn't see it, and we have to, like I said, man, we were toothless in many aspects, and, and simply put, it's, it's simply a reality check, people. I said Mo Salah had a quiet game by his own standards, but, you know, he has, he's had, he, Mo Salah has touched the ball in the opposition box more times than any other player in this in the Premier League this season, which stands at 35. You know, the whole West Bromwich Albion team is 34. For Arsenal, a bit of negative news. No team has dropped more points from winning positions in the Premier League than Arsenal since Arteta took control of the club. Um, Diego Yota is the 13th player to score on his Premier League debut for Liverpool and the second to do so in a match against Arsenal. And guess who else did that? You guessed it right, Sadio Mane. Robertson showed elite mentality yesterday to forgive himself for his mistake and obviously and pop up on a goal for, for, for Liverpool. He's either scored or assisted in seven of his last eight Premier League appearances for Liverpool. He only failed to do so against Chelsea. He's got five assists and two goals. Quality performance from a quality player. Um, Tierney's still better than him don't get it twisted <laughs> I'm joking but on a serious note Mane is a savage you know I love Sadio Mane I want more savages at Arsenal what I like about Mane he don't care he wants to keep scoring he wants to keep ripping you he's got he, he's got the biggest heart off the field on a football field he does not care did feel he should have got a yellow did you know it was a bit of an elbow did feel Yota's goal was a handball but I'm always going to say that as an Arsenal fan but, you know, for Mane, he has four goals in his last five home games against Arsenal for Liverpool. Um, goes back to Arsenal's poor defending. There were just 147 seconds between Arsenal and Liverpool's first goal. Um, I don't think Arsenal have beaten Liverpool at Anfield for nine years, nine, ten years now. Um, eight, Well, anything from eight to ten years. With that, obviously, Liverpool are unbeaten in 61 games at Anfield. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold has provided 27 Premier League assists. Um, which is more, this is the same number as Dirk Kout managed throughout his Liverpool Liverpool career. And Trent managed to do it in 111 fewer games. Um, for Liverpool, though, this could be something to think about people really and truly because you look at Liverpool's games they've played, apart from Chelsea, they have conceded some cheap goals. Four players have made errors leading to goals in the Premier League this season and two of those are Liverpool players looking at it. You've got Robertson and Van Dijk with a goal apiece, er error apiece, apologies. You've got Thiago Silva with one and Kepa's got two. 
Um, only two players, however, have both scored and made an error leading to go to a goal in a Premier League game this season, um, which obviously is Van Dijk and Robertson, both of Liverpool people. Um, sadly for Arsenal, you know, Aubameyang has felt well. With obviously losing to Liverpool, he failed to produce a shot in a Premier League game when playing 90 minutes for only the third time in his Arsenal career. You know, February against Spurs, he was locked down. 2019, April of last year, he was locked down against Leicester. In September 2020, he failed to do so against Liverpool. Don't get it twisted. He scored against all those teams. Forgive me if I'm wrong. He's still one of the best in the league. He was always going to be a heavily marked man in that game. But it is what it is. Lacazette, who's got three goals from three games um, in the Premier League, is the first player to score in the, fir in the first three game match days for, for, Premier for Arsenal in the Premier League season since Giroud did it in 2013-14. Apologies for messing that up. And I think Lacazette's in a bit of a decent form. And apparently that was his first start at Anfield since he joined the club in the league. So that's a bit of a crazy one. Um, I forgot to mention it at the start, but obviously, as you know, a theme of the Premier League game week was penalties. The Premier League saw seven penalties scored from... So seven goals, apologies, scored from the Premier League this weekend, um, which made it the 13th and 14th, respectively, of September. Um, you'd have to go back to September of 2003, people, um, for the only weekend in competition history to see more goals scored from the spot, which stood at eight. Last Arsenal stats before I get on, because we've spent a long time on Arsenal, people. Arsenal have won none of their last 28 Premier League games away at other members of the big six. The stats are telling. Clean sheet stand at one, conceded 64, scored 30, drawn 10, lost 18. That game was the highest number of shots Arsenal have allowed in a Premier League game under Arteta, which was 21. The most was 24 versus Liverpool at the Emirates. There have been 58 goals scored in the last 12 meetings in all competitions between Arsenal and Liverpool since Klopp took over. Interestingly, and probably points towards Arsenal, I remember Maitland now scoring at, at Anfield. Apparently in all competitions, the scorer of the first goal has failed to win six of the last seven games between the two sides. Arsenal have conceded 33 goals in their last nine visits to Anfield. And like I said at the beginning, Liverpool are unbeaten in 61 games at Anfield. Arsenal have produced just 24 shots so far this season. Only West Brom. You never want to be around West Brom for any stats, you know, unless it was a clean sheets under Tony Pulis, potentially, have attempted fewer. So we are very toothless. The difference between us and West Brom, West Brom we've got a 20-season man in the league minimum in Aubameyang. We've got a 52 million pound signing in Lacazette we've got 70 odd Pepe we've got William who's not a bad player we should be taking more shots just as a team it is what it is people spent a long time on that game and like I said I expected to lose it was all about intention it was all about heart and I think a lot of those basic premises that should stay with you in big games for definite and stay with you across the part the the course of the season were missing from an Arsenal perspective Enough about Arsenal, man. That's about 20 minutes on Arsenal. Obviously, Villa versus Fulham, you know. Villa made them pass the, the FIFA pad. Three goals to nil. Fulham have now conceded three-plus goals in each of their opening three Premier League games. They shipped four against Leeds, opening day three against Arsenal and three against Villa. You saw Jack Grealish set pace from early and get on the score sheet. McGinn had a good game, you know. Fulham never looked in it. Fulham were a shambles. And, you know, I don't think Fulham are going to stay in the league. You can see their chairman very being very apologetic to fans and saying two centre-halves we've tried, but COVID and all these things have led to us not being able to get them. For, simply put, Fulham need to go and get some players. I don't know if they, you know, I'd rather, I don't think Tanganga would leave Spurs for Fulham on loan. But even if you've got to go and ask for Tanganga, for Chambers, you know, potentially ask for Tamori because he's not too, that's not too far from Chelsea. And they can keep a clo close eye on him, you know. Even if you have to take Socrates off Arsenal, you know, you might as, even, even Arojo. I, I'm not necessarily convinced with a lot of the names I just threw up, people. I'm not convinced with a lot of the names. But they need to fix up. You're not going to stay in the league with Tim Ream and them and there because it's poor. It, it's, it's atrocious. And, you know, Scott Parker has to ask himself, are they trying to be on a joke thing? You know, they're into double figures for goals conceded with, with three weeks within the first three weeks of the Premier League season, people. It's, it's ridiculous. They've conceded 10 goals. Literally, I've done the maths, 10 goals across three games. You're not going to stay in the league with that. How many have they scored? I'm not too sure. Um, to be fair, didn't they lose 4-3 to Leeds? I could be wrong. So that's cool. Obviously, Martinez and Leno had some good moments against Liverpool, but... People are always going to mention Martinez when Leno looks a bit iffy. And, you know, Martinez is the only goalkeeper in the Premier League yet to concede a goal this season. 
And he's also saved every shot he has faced so far. Last week, he saved the pen. Among all the keepers to have played in the Premier League game so far this season, the highest save percentage with 100% is Martinez. And the lowest, you know, it would not It would took me by surprise, is actually Manchester City's Edison. Villa have also registered a clean sheet for the first time in 27 away Premier League games since the 0-0 draw in 2016 against West Brom. You know, Fulham are the second team to have conceded at least three goals in each of their opening three game weeks um, after only three Premier League games. West Brom managed to do this, um, people, as well, which was poor. Five of John McGinn's eight goal involvements in, in the Premier League have come in London versus Fulham, two against West Ham and also Spurs and Arsenal. I like McGinn and it sounds cliche, but him being fully fit could potentially be like a new signing for Aston Villa. Um, Jack Grealish, obviously, the more he scores, the more he can't be ignored in terms of England recognition. Jack Grealish's goal in the fourth minute is the earliest goal Villa have scored away from home in the Premier League since Benteke against Everton in February 2013. Moving away from that, and, you know, Man United are off the, off the score sheet for the season. They've got three points. You know, so Alex Ferguson made sure he paid his direct debit. You know, there was a lot of drama in the Premier League this season, um, this game week, sorry. And Man United were at the forefront. I haven't seen a penalty given when the game's ended. It was a penalty. Mupay firmly went from hero to villain. You know, he chipped um, De Gea and made him look like a mug. And then he, you know, unnecessarily, his hands are in an unnatural position. Lost count of how many times Brighton hit the woodwork. And maybe, you know, Tussard, believe Solly March did. Again, you can't deal with ifs and buts. But if they scored these chances, it's a bit of a different game. You know, Bruno stepped up and obviously got um, got the pen well, took the penalty and pulled it away. And with that, he's been involved in 16 goals in his 16 Premier League appearances. Eight goals, eight assists. Um, he also gave away a penalty for Brighton. Um, Dunk was unlucky to be awarded an own goal, in my opinion. But since making his Premier League debut in August 2017, Lewis Dunk has scored five away five own goals apology in the competition, which is at least two more than any other opponent. You know, I'm sure there should be. There's question marks over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because United haven't looked convincing going back off the lot the back of last season. You know, fair play they got top four that master lot. You know, there's not really any game plan. You know, they're making things harder than it has to be based on the last two game weeks they've played. You know, they're giving away consecutive penalties in game weeks, which must be one of the first times United have done that. It's just all dis disarray, really and truly. They've got the players to be playing better. I just don't think Oli Golasolsha is the man. I want him to stay, obviously, because it's not nice to see anyone lose their job. And, you know, he's not doing well for United. So why wouldn't I want him to stay? So it's a bit mad. You know, one bright spark was obviously Rashford's goal. You know, he turned he, he turned Ben White a new one. He made him slide and then slide again. That was a typical cage goal. I don't know if it took a slight deflection on going in, but it was a good finish from Rashford. United made it harder than it had to be. VAR saved their blushes. Crucially, you know, they got off the they got off the, the mark, you know, the three points. They have to firmly improve if they want to have a better performance in their next game. I'm sure all United fans listening will agree. Man United have given away a penalty in consecutive Premier League games for the first time since March 2009. It's the first time the Reds Devils have conceded one in both of their first two Premier League games of the campaign. Um, so it is what it is, but United go marching on. Now, Everton, you know, they will, Everton's a team, whenever they make signings, they're always tipped to do a madness. And this season, they need to. They've brought in Hammers, you know, they've brought in Decore. You've got a quality manager who's been around the block, you know, in Carlo Ancelotti. They've started the season well and another week, another another Calvert-Lewin goal. You know, Southgate can't ignore him if he continues this. And another three points. I'm not going to lie, you know, I think Palace should have at least got a point. I know there was chances for Everton to wrap it up and Palace had chances as well. But VAR isn't making any sense. In the same way, Dyer is done dirty. I can't understand what they want, what they want Joel Ward to do. How is that a penalty? What do they want man to do? I'm not getting at the refs because they're just going on the law and the guidelines they're being told. The law of the of, of the game needs to change. What's the, the at some point defenders aren't gonna stop. Defenders are gonna stop. Like what is the point? Because I saw it against against Liverpool, you know, Yotta's handled it. So is it one rule for attackers and one rule for defenders? There's going to be no point. Soon defenders aren't going to jump because they know it's going to go against them. Dyer, we haven't spoken about Spurs, but Dyer isn't even ever looking at the ball. Like 
I thought VAR, for most working class people, and Steve Bruce put it nicely as well, I thought VAR personally was for clear and obvious errors, you know, when it's obviously and evidently a goal that should have stood or an offside or an evidently a handball, you know, it's not being implemented right. It's not It's not the laws of the game need to change. VAR is a bit of a joke, to put it nicely, and it is what it is, people. And the only hope you can have as a manager or as a player right now with this is that, and it doesn't always happen in that, you know, such is the balance of life you'll get decisions you shouldn't have got you get Steve Bruce said it you know on another day if I was Steve Bruce I would still appeal the penalty shouts because I want to win I will take that because we walk away with a point but I'd be livid if that team done it if that happened against me and the balance of things you know Spurs fans you know there was a couple of a couple of months ago they were chanting for VAR in their stadium remember we all saw the videos and now they're against it so you can only hope that such is the balance of life, you know, normality is restored or decisions that go against you, you kind of get them through the course of the season. I don't think that's healthy. With that being said, though, like I said, man, Everton won two goals to one. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the first player to score in each of Everton's first three Premier League games in a single campaign since Stephen Naismith did in 2014-15. Richarlison's strike was actually his first Premier League goal from the penalty spot and his 32nd overall in the competition. He's going to be central to any of their plans. Burnley defeated Southampton one goal to nil and Burnley needed three points. Another shocker was popped up in the Premier League. I'm not talking about West Ham versus West Brom, sorry, versus Chelsea. I'm talking about West Ham versus Wolves. Now, I didn't see that coming. You know, Bowen had a good game and deserved his two goals. Mikel Antonio worked his socks off. Suchek did a madness. And, you know, West Ham need to get, get a run of form going. And it was a convincing performance. It was a shocker for me. You know, obviously, I believe Hallier scored and Suchek, if I remember rightly, match of the day. And obviously, Bowen. With that, Wolves have suffered their heaviest defeat in the league since 2012, where they lost 5-0 against Manchester United. Since the start of the season, only Mohamed Salah and Sergio Aguero have scored more home league goals in in England's top four tiers than West Ham's Gerard Bowen, which stands at 36. Um, For Bowen, though, he's not merely been prolific since he's joined West Ham. Um, He scored only his second goal in his 23rd Premier League appearance and it might be true um, like Bosses goals come in twos you know he scored one and then he bagged another one quickly Um, and obviously it was his first since he netted on his first league start for West Ham back in February decent player now, West Brom are Jalbin and Chelsea and West Brom like like Fulham are going to struggle to stay in this lead. I was watching that game Obviously, even at 3-0, you know, Chelsea should have walked away. It feels like a victory because they shouldn't have lost and they, they, they walked away with a point. Chelsea should have wrapped this game up. You always feel with West Brom, regardless of if they're winning 1-0 or 3-0, that you can score goals that they will concede. And that was firmly the point. You know, Chelsea and, and Lampard should have, should be absolutely livid with how they played and the goals they conceded. You know, Callum Robertson seems to love scoring against them, bagged against them for Sheffield, bagged against them again. A Jay's goal, was it? No, not a Jay. Bartley, former Arsenal guy, he's not being marked. Just just a shambles of a goal. Obviously, three academy lads saved them. Callum hodgson Adoy is linked with a move away and he had a big performance and that's what you need to do. Make yourself undeniable. You know, you, you've probably played your way into plans, if you probably was going to play already, to be fair, but played your way into the plans of Chelsea versus Spurs today, later people. Um, make yourself undeniable. Obviously, Tammy Abraham, you know, he, he scored a goal. Mason Mount scored a neat finish. The three academy lads saved a point. And it was the experienced players that let them down. You know, Thiago's making his debut. Also against Barnsley, he made a shaky pass. And he made a, he was he was too confident in possession. He's a ball-playing centre-half. You know, he makes a mistake and they go and score. Alonso was a, was a mare all game. And he got, you know, a Jay's a quick guy. I remember from his Arsenal days, he was a quick centre-half. But, you know... Alonso has quite, I'm sure you've all seen that segment, Alonso has quite the distance on him and he breezes him. Kepa, is, it, you know, the less said about Kepa, the best. And to be fair, without scapegoating him, it was a shambles defensively and just collectively overall from Chelsea. And Chelsea, are, Chelsea need a centre-half. Chelsea do struggle defensively. You know, if you look at their defensive records, if it was Arsenal, there'd be more of a mill made of such. But it is what it is. They drew 3-3. The only benefit is they showed fight to get back in the game. Um, I think Thiago Silva will prove his worth, but he's the fourth oldest non-British slash Irish player to make their debut in the Premier League at 36 years of age and four days. He's also the first outfield player to make an error leading to a goal on their Premier League debut since Issa Diop did such for West Ham against Arsenal in 2018. 
Werner is still searching for his Premier League goal, but he looks hungry. Um, he attempted ten shots without. He's attempted ten shots without finding the net in the league. No player has taken more without shooting, without scoring. And to be fair, I know people might laugh at that, but if you don't shoot, you don't score. This tells me he's doing the right things. He's putting himself around, and it's all timing. I hope it doesn't, because you know they, he plays for Chelsea. But it is what it is. Chelsea have made three errors leading directly to goals in the Premier League this season, which equals their total for last season. And they were quite poor defensively last season. So what does that tell you, people? Both of Callum, Callum Robertson's Premier League goals have come against Chelsea. You know, he scored in August 2019. He scored in September 2020 for two separate clubs against them. West Brom have failed to win a Premier League game, having led by three plus goals for the third time, more than any other side in the competition. Chelsea have become the first Premier League team since West Ham in February 2011 to avoid defeat after trailing by three goals at half-time. And I'm sure a lot of you saw courtesy of The Athletic, Alonso was teared into by Frank Lampard. Apparently, Frank Lampard handed Marcos Alonso a furious dressing down in front of his teammates after the left-back tried to watch the second half of their game at West Brom on the team coach rather than with the rest of the substitutes. Apparently, multiple sources have told The Athletic that Lampard confronted Alonso following the draw on Saturday um, evening, having discovered he went to the bus on his own without permission after being taken off at half-time. He was one of two players changed, as you lot know, with Kovacic. Kovacic took his place on the bench while my man obviously went for a shower and a team and, a, and, and, and to watch the game on a team coach for whatever reason. Observers at the game did spot the 29-year-old within 10 or 15 minutes of the restart back inside the confines of the ground, but were surprised to see him in a different area to where the array group are expected to be, especially with strict COVID-19 protocols in place. Insiders have described Lampard as being the angriest they've ever seen him as he lamb-blasted Alonso for his actions in front of stunned teammates. It is believed the boss made a part of saying, a point, sorry, of saying, while the side had shown great togetherness and determination and character to fight back from three goals downturn a point, the Spain international had shown he wasn't bothered about the team and he made the situation all about him. One source went on to say, the players were saying they've never seen the manager angry like this. It kicked off after the game and he was going mad at Alonso. Some were talking about how they're surprised if he ever plays for Chelsea again. And to be fair, Lampard isn't someone that's going to lose his cool unnecessarily and, and draw people out, you know. But I fully based on that. Again, there's three sides to every story. Lampard's Alonso's in the truth. But I get that. You know, that tells me if I'm a manager, I'll be livid. I don't care why he went out. I don't care if you're angry in your performance. Why are you not only listen, the COVID protocols are one thing and you're stupid for that. And that would make me angrier because if anything happens, Chelsea and me look like idiots. On the other hand, what the hell are you doing? Why are you on the team coach? Why are you on the team coach? Unless you've been sent off where you actually can't be, you know, in the stands and whatnot, you have to bust out. Go and support your team. Go and provide morals. You're in it together. You know, you're all a team, whether you're playing or not playing, whether you're coaching staff or whatever. That tells me you didn't, for whatever reason, you didn't care. It might not even be that he was he was trying to be selfish and trying to throw it in for people and, you know, trying to make a scene. But he's picked himself. Anytime you pick yourself ahead of the collective, you're in issues. And he done that when he decided to go on the team coach rather than take his place. You know, I, I, I fully support Lampard in, in that, you know. Moving away from that, Spurs were stunned by VAR like I got onto and drew 1-1 against Newcastle. Callum, Roberts, Callum Wilson, apologies, stepped up from the spot. You, we've, I've seen it, I've spoken about it enough. That penalty was a joke, you know. I feel I, Spurs, so I'm always going to laugh, but I'm not going to lie. I was Even though he plays for Spurs, I was angry for Dyer because what the hell do they want a man to do? His hands are not in a natural posi unnatural position. Even focusing away from his hands. Uh, what do you want man to do? He's not looking at the ball. And I'm not understanding it because Yota handballed it, you know. Yota handballed it. Again, is there one rule for defenders and another for attackers? Because Yota handballed it, you know. And even in this game, again, I think it would have been a harsh penalty. But wasn't it Endombele or whatever? He tried to cross it. It hit someone's hand. I think it would have been a harsh penalty also. But when you look at it, you know, penalties are being given for less. Um, the one thing I'll say to Spurs is that obviously the VAR, and, and you all saw Jose Mourinho's comments after, um, VAR will take the bulk of the headlines, and as it should, because they've been done dirty. From a Spurs perspective, they should have killed this game in the first half and went a couple of goals up. They allowed Newcastle to get, get a better confidence, I believe, in the second half. And that led to this, people, really and truly. And, you know, now I believe they're without Son. Bale was still working his way back from injury. Um Jose expects more injuries as well. So they're probably going to throw today's game against um, Chelsea in the Cat Yarabal. You know, they got a bligh against Leighton Orient. 
they're probably going to have to throw it. You know, they're going to have to play a weakened team. You know, the Europa League is more important. They have a qualifier, you know. And their squad is already stretched. They're already playing a lot of game weeks. On one hand, you know, Spurs knew this and they should have brought in players to help them with this or help Jose. But you have to have sympathy for the club, regardless of my allegiances. Um, it's sad, people, but, you know, they drew. And that's the only comfort, you know. It's been a bit of a negative week for, for London clubs. You know, Chelsea and Chelsea and Spurs drew. We obviously lost. We're still ahead of a couple of clubs. But since Opta began collecting people... Um, Exact goal times in 2006. Callum Wilson's penalty equaliser is the latest any side has scored with their first shot on target in the match of a compet in the competition. So that was their first shot on target. They didn't deserve to win. You know, Lucas Moore isn't known for his goals, but, you know, the one positive for him is that he bagged and he's ended a run of 22 Premier League games without a goal. The last time he netted in the league was December 2019. And when the first time I saw that, I thought it was a gas, people. Leeds are known for their high-scoring games, people, um, but they've also got a show they can defend and weather the storm. And in the first Yorkshire derby in the Premier League since May 2001, they defeated Sheffield United one goal to nil. Bamford scored a powerful header. Um, Leeds keeper Mizley, I can't say his name, seen a lot of him for France, play for France at under-20s level. Used to have a mistake in him. He was equal to every question asked of him and undoubtedly the man of the match. Robertson, Robertson Bamford scored the goal that after Jack Harrison crossed to take the three points. But, you know, the keeper is a big reason as to why they maintained it. For Sheffield United, their kind of iffy form continues and I sympathise with Chris Wilder's men, simply put. Um, Patrick Bramford is the first player in Leeds, in Leeds United history to score in his first three top-flight appearances for the club. So, again, you know, you've got Hing, Ings, you've got, you got Calvert-Lewin, you've got Bamford, you know... Southgate's got to be thinking about these things. I don't think he rates Bamford, but you know you can't ignore man when they're score when they're scoring. I don't think he rated um, Ings, but you know you can't deny Ings. And obviously Kane is going to be amongst the scorers. I'm sure he would love to use Jamie Vardy, but he can't because he's retired. So it's a mad one. Let's get on to to to, to Leicester. And it wasn't the most glamorous of hat tricks from Vardy. You know he scored two penalties and showed his. His, his his great nerves in that aspect. His goal from open play was a lovely one. You know, Kassans and Telemans bopped it. Um, but he got his third hat-trick for Leicester City and his second against Manchester City. Um, Leicester, ran, Leicester City ran riot. Ran riot, you know. City had them for the first 20. It looked like they were, Leicester were just on this counter-attacking thing, trying to contain, trying to remain compact. Then after the second half, it was like, you know what? Roger said, you know what? F these lot, man. I don't care that they're City. Let's go and ask them questions. They're suspect. And they ran riot, you know. Man City have to ask themselves questions, you know. There's about three separate mistakes. Eric Garcia, he's linked with a move to Barca. I think he's a competent defender. I like him. He's just going to struggle, clearly, whenever the ball's knocked into channels or, you know, his his body's in an awkward position. Position Completely conned by Vardy for that penalty. These are the things he's going to struggle with. He's going to struggle in the league with that. Um, Benjamin Mendy, I like him a lot. You know, I was liking him at Monaco. I felt, you know, what when you looked at him at Monaco, he was a good left-back, superb going forward, very suspect defensively. We thought Pep Guardiola's demand to kind of iron him out. Yes, he's had injuries and whatnot, but Mendy's very overrated. It don't mean he's not a bad player. He is one of the best left-backs in the league, but he's extremely overrated. You know, he's shown more consistency on social media than he has on a football field, and it's stupid mistakes. You know, I like Kyle Walker, but he's got a mistake in him. You know, you've seen three penalties given away for silliness. You know, where's the concentration? It looked like Man City were nervous as well at points. It looks like there's cracks within that team, people, really and truly. You know, it's irrelevant that Mahrez scored a lovely goal with his right foot. I don't think he'll score too many goals better with his right foot. You know, Leicester bopped them. It's as simple as that. Leicester bopped them, people, and the stats are damning. You know, five goals to, to Man City's two. Leicester City have won each of their opening three Premier League games in the top flight season for the first time in their history. Um, Leicester have become the first side in the Premier League to score three penalties from a single from the spot in a single game. Only Jamie, only Raheem Sterling with 19 has won more penalties than Jamie Vardy in Premier League history with 18, and that will probably change. Since his Premier League debut in August, Jamie Vardy has won more penalties in the competition than any other player, whilst no player has scored more from the spot than him, which is 21. After three Premier League games this season, over 70% of Jamie Vardy's touches have come from a combination of kickoffs and penalty kicks. You know, as a striker, you don't really care. It's all about scoring, you know. If Jamie Vardy has shown he might not be in the game for large segments, but let him run off the off the last man's shoulder or get in your penalty box, he's going to do what he needs to do for his team. I would love to see an interview with Jamie Vardy because 
he's had a had terrific career, you know. He's been, and let, this is maybe why, because he came into the top level kind of late and perfected his game at the top level kind of late, he can keep playing. Like, you know, he's got, uh, what, I don't even, he's got, he's touching 110 or something now. Just It was 108, but with this hat trick, I'm not sure now, you know. He's probably touching 110, 111 Premier League games. Goals, apologies. Started playing at 27, 28. Now 33. You know, coming into the game late, how much has that helped him? You look at Jogba, could be used as the same example. Um, Aubameyang, different but same. He came into his own at, at a late age and they're two of the best goal scorers in the league. Um, you know, quitting international football, how much has that done to him? Because I'm sure he wants to play for his country, but he's got to remember his career, you know, it's short in terms of finances. Yes, he's a Premier League winner and an England international, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't see Jamie Vardy as a coach or as a manager. So he's got to think about his finances. He came into the game later than most. Um, so what I mean by that is obviously he's not money motivated, but playing less games and travelling less for England and not necessarily even being first choice for England. You know, I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess. I don't know how many games England play over a year, but let's just say five to ten games less. You know, how much is that adding on, on to his footballing years? Only he could tell you that. However, back to City, for the first time, people, literally for the first time in eight in 686 games as a manager, Pep has seen his side concede five goals. It's also the first time in 438 games at the Etihad Stadium that City have shipped five goals in any competition. Um, um, Pep himself said, they defended so deep and the lack of creating space, we got nervous. They did not want to play, they just wanted to counter-attack. We know that Vardy runs from far, far away and Barnes, you have to control him. But the moment we started to get nervous, we thought we were not doing well. We are not going to, to create 10 chances. We have to know it is difficult. Even at 5-2, Leicester were in the 18-yard box. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to try to find solutions. Yes, of course, it's tough. We have to accept it. It's the second Premier League game. So you can't draw too many conclusions. It is the second Premier League game. And I do think City will bounce back. But, you know, defensively, they're shambles. Pep Guardiola, you spent a lot of money and I'm struggling to see anybody in that defence you've really improved. Walker, you know, there was a base level of performance in his game before he went to City, so significantly improved, I'm not too sure. Mendy hasn't improved. Cancelo wasn't involved, he never, he hasn't improved. Angelino was brought in and then shipped out, clearly not improved. John Stone, not improved. You know, the midfielders, Rodri, not sniffing danger at all. You know, collectively, you know, because I rate Pep Guardiola so highly, you know, I've got to use the same energy and I'm I'm questioning him. One thing I don't like is when I'm hearing Rodri and Pep come out and say, yeah, Leicester defended deep and things. Yeah, they did. But what do you expect them to do? You know, why would they come and try and match you toe to toe? They ain't got the players for that. It doesn't make sense. It's more so Rodri's comments I'm annoyed about. What you never used to play for the top top teams in 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 Spain forever forever. You know, forgive me if I'm wrong. You played for Villarreal and Atletico Madrid. You know, you probably had the same game plan when you're playing Barcelona's and things like that. So don't come on smug getting at Leicester. And to be fair, yeah, Rod, yeah, they defended deep, but they stopped respecting you and started getting at you. You know, and he's come out and said it's not it's not football and things like that. You just look sour. Because at the end of the day, Leicester have got the three points. They go marching on. You're here talking about they're sitting back. It's nonsense. You play for Man City, you know this is how teams are going to play against you. Why are they going to try and match you and then get battered for what? So you can come out and say it's a, it was a good game of football. I'm sure Brendan Rodgers cares. I'm sure Brendan Rodgers, Jamie Vardy with his hat-trick, Telemans with his goal and, and playing a part in the goal in the game. And just the three points collectively. I'm sure Rogers and his coaching staff and the players, I'm sure they give a crap. You know, they've got the three points. They sourced you. You've conceded five goals and you're questioning Leicester. You conceded five goals and you're questioning Leicester. You have conceded five goals and you're questioning Leicester City. You are Manchester City. You got blown out last season by 20 points. You have conceded five goals at, at home. This is for Pep and you lot to pattern up way before you look at other factors. Think about yourselves because you set high standards. You've got to live and die by those same high standards to which you're failing to right now. You know, it's too early to be drawing conclusions and whatnot. So let's just call off with all the conclusions and, and whatnot. I don't think I've missed speaking about any Premier League games, people. But let me just review the quick fixture calendar just in case. You know, we've spoken about West Ham. We've spoken about Everton. We've spoken about Fulham. We've spoken about Spurs and Sheffield and Burnley and West Brom and Chelsea and Brighton and the rest of it. So I don't think I've missed anyone out. You know, this week, you know, if you're into your League Cup fo football, we've got League Cup action as well. The big one is obviously Spurs versus Chelsea today. Spurs play on Thursday, obviously off the back of playing on Sunday. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Sunday, Saturday, I believe. Well, 
either one on the weekends. Games are coming thick and fast. They've got injuries already. Their squad stretched. I do think Jose wants to remain competitive, maybe not away from the opposition, but focus um, from the, the competition, but focusing on the opposition, I think he does. But at the end of the day, you know, he's got to be realistic. I'm sure many Spurs fans would concede, yes, it's a game against Chelsea and it's bragging rights. But if you're going to win one game this season, it's the Europa League. You know, with Gareth Bale, with the competitiveness of the top four, you know, Spurs like Arsenal have to really be serious about the Europa League and, and get into the final. Um, you fail to do that, your task is harder. So we'll see what happens in that game. Newport will play against Newcastle. Um, you've obviously got Liverpool against Arsenal again. You know, probably going to see rotated teams. You know, you'd probably see Minamino and you might even see goal scorer Yota start. You'll see rotations by Klopp's men. Arsenal, you know, Reese Nelson and Joe Willock played no part in the squad at all. They'll probably play. Eddie might get a start. Bakayo Saka should be starting. He should have come off the bench for me. You know, William probably will be dropped to the bench. Pepe will get a, a good odd minute. And, you know, we might be, have more of a positive game. Despite the fact that we all know what happened last year. We played against them in that mad in that mad game. Um, obviously, you've got Burnley against... Um, who are Burnley playing? Pol apologies, people. Let me, let me get that all up again. I think I've actually deleted some of my notes. League Cup fixtures. Apologies, people, because I think Brighton have Man United again, and yeah, I knew it. I knew it. People, Burnley have Manchester City. Brighton and United will square off again, like Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, in in the cup, you've got Everton against West Ham. You've got a kind of playoff game again. You know, you've got a replay of the playoffs. You've got a, a West London derby, or I know Fulham is technically South West, but they're both West London to me. You've got Brentford against Fulham. We'll always be cheering on Josh De Silva, our for, our former Guna. You've got Aston Villa against Stoke, and once again, if I haven't made it clear enough, you've got Liverpool versus Arsenal. So we'll review that on my Friday's version of the podcast. Make sure you are awake. In terms of transfers, there isn't much. You know, Ulas is playing a very coy game, the Leon president with Aua. He hasn't denied there's an agreement between Arsenal and the player. He has kind of spoken and keeps changing the goalposts in comparison to prices and whatnot. Um, apparently, ride reports will say 50 million euros is enough to tip the balance for Arsenal to get their men. You know, the same old logic surrounds Partey and that we're still negotiating. Apparently, Atletico are softening their stance, so we'll have to see. Now, Man United seems to be their top target is Jadon Sanjo. They've been linked with alternatives like Kingsley Coleman. Apparently, even this season, they placed a £136 million bid for Asu Fati before his new contract at the Camp Nou. And on the topic of Asu Fati, before I forget, he had a great game for Barcelona and couldn't even get the man of the match because it was a beer sponsor. And at 17 years of age, he's underage, um, which obviously, according to Spanish law, you can't obviously advertise and whatnot. A teenager promoting an underage drink. It don't spell good for branding. Um, but they've had a bid rejected for him. I Listen, just over a week to go, I don't know if they're going to get Jaden or have to wait a year for Jaden, but I think it could still happen. You know, a week's a long time in football. They're still linked with Jaden Sanjo and apparently in the event they get him, they're prepared to let Daniel James go. Daniel James is being linked with Leeds. Apparently, Man United have also finally tabled a bid for Porto left by Alex Tellez, but it's understood to be um, well short of what his side value him at. So, probably still going to be at loggerheads. Obviously, if I haven't made it clear already, Manchester City confirmed the signing of Ruben Diaz. I like him a lot as a defender. Question marks in relation to if he's the man to really shore up everything, but we'll have to see. Um, moving away from that, Lampard has changed his stance and he's kind of... He's not said people are definitely going, but he's he's said there has to be some departures, both on a temporary and a permanent basis. And he's kind of been... You know, he's opened the door to Ruben Loftus-Cheek heading out on loan. He has said, well, he's confirmed Chelsea are considering loan offers for Loftus-Cheek and he's had interest from West Ham and Aston Villa, you know, as well as his former loan club Palace. He said, I'm very open with Ruben. We've had a lot of conversations in the last week. He's fit as a fiddle, so he can play week in, week out. He needs to play. He's done a lot of work now. He would have been playing earlier if it wasn't for lockdown and restart. 
There's a possibility that Ruben may go out on loan to play games because I think that would be great for him. We hold him in very high regard here. I certainly do. And that could be a good option for him. But that tells me that you rate him and you think he's got quality. But for this season, you don't believe in his capabilities. If you are prepared to let him go out on loan. I do hear the fitness capabilities and whatnot. But there's a lot of midfielders. There's talk of Chelsea bringing in another one. This tells me that, you know, Lampard is happy with other options. And he's looking at it without emotion. I don't think he wants to get rid of Loftus-Cheek. But this is it. It's like with Reese Nelson. I think Arteta values him. But when you're looking at the 38-game period, period is he necessarily relying on these individuals like um, Arteta I don't think Lampard is relying on Loftus-Cheek like that which you know when you hear your manager speak about it publicly of course you know there's nothing wrong with this you've barely played you've had injuries going out on loan getting your confidence back and then coming back next season to fight for your spot at Chelsea is a legitimate argument but at the same time to play devil's advocate this could tell me the manager don't count on me he's publicly saying I'm allowed to go out on loan the writing's on the wall and at 24 years of age he's not 18 anymore he needs to play games you know, he needs to stay fit, but he needs to play games and get his rhythm back and whatnot. And you've got the Euros next year. Staying at Chelsea, are you going to get in the Euro squad? Probably not. Probably yes, in fact, because, you know, Southgate plays his favourites. And he said, there's a, like I said, he said, there's a possibility to go out on loan. He said, I'm relaxed about it, but I want to find the best path for Ruben and I want to find the best path for us. He asked about his long-term future. He said, without a doubt, he's had a torrid time. The injury was a bad one. He hasn't played as many minutes for this club as he would have liked to for different reasons. But just before his injury, he was playing really well and contributing. I was looking forward to him getting back fit and working with him. We'll make that decision on what's best for him and us. He wants to play and the reality is I have a lot of competition in those areas when I look at the squad. Ruben is versatile. He can play different roles in midfield and sometimes off the side too. So I was really looking forward to working with him because I know what he can do. He gives us something different in terms of physicality and how he receives the ball. But there's also a priority for everyone that Ruben plays games. That delicate balance of what we're trying to get right in the next week will do what feels right. So that, mean, for me anyways, tells me you're going out on loan. You know, that's that's where you're going. That's what you're doing, whether you want to or not. Um, it is what it is. Um, moving away and continuing with the transfer talk, people. Um and whatnot. You've got Andres Pereira seems to be set for a loan move away to Lazio from Manchester United. He made 40 appearances last year, but hasn't been included in any of the matchday squads. And when you look at Van der Beek to go with Bruno Fernandes coming in in January, they might not be the same profile midfielders, but you know, there's three, there's two, in most teams, there's two to three gaps for a midfielder to start. Pereira isn't going to get a look in, you know, you're getting McTominay getting a look in. Fred is still going to be valued, so you're not playing. Lazio have also been linked with Mustafi, um, who has also been linked with, and there's claims Mustafi actually has an agreement with Torino. Not too sure how much I believe that. Torreira one week looked dead set to return to Italy. He looks dead set now to be going to AS Roma. He's been linked with Roma. His agent has thrown down the gauntlet. Whether that's his agent trying to engineer stuff to get a best possible offer and apply pressure to other teams to get deals done is another thing. But that's what's happened. Um... Bayern Munich are apparently considering a bid for Norwich City's 20-year-old English English right-back Max Ahrens after not getting Sergio Dech. Spurs are still apparently trying to sign Milan Skriniar from Inter Milan. Kurt Zuma is interested in Everton and Leicester City. Spurs are apparently open to bringing in Rudiger, who's fallen out of favour with Chelsea and PSG and his former club, Roma, also looking at him. Sheffield United, apparently, I mean, you know, last time they were set, someone was said to offer a bid for Brewster, Crystal Palace owner was very vocal. Apparently, people, Sheffield United have offered Liverpool £17 million for the under-21 striker and are prepared to include a buyback clause. They've also been linked with Balogun. Ancelotti doesn't expect Theo Walcott to leave the club this transfer window. The lot is being linked with a move away from Man United and has interest AC Milan who want to bring him in on loan. However, United are only interested in doing it on, on a permanent basis. Barca, as I said, are closing in on the signing of Ajax and USA right-back Sergio Detz. He's a good right-back with a fantastic future. When you consider he's American, there's also marketing possibilities to go in there as well. Um, Juan Foyth seems to be going to Valencia. He's linked with, with Valencia and he seems to have fallen out of favour. The Tottenham and Argentinian defender um, will also be linked with Aura again. That's it for transfer news. Just a quick word on other news that I should have spoken about earlier in relation to the Premier League people. Um, 
Apparently, Marseille have opened their own record label. As you lot know, Luis Suarez obviously signed for Atletico Madrid and he writ a bit of history in their victory. He was the first player to score and assist on his La Liga debut. He's the first Atletico for, for, for Atletico in the 21st century. He's also the first player for the club to score twice on his debut. You know, at 33 years of age, to call Suarez finish is ridiculous. This man scored, I cannot remember the stats, but I'm sure it was something like 21 goals in 30-odd games or something like that last season. Suarez is not finished. He's definitely got another two years minimum playing at a high level. And when you look at Suarez's statistics last season, regardless of what people said, Aubameyang and Vardy, I've specifically not mentioned Messi and Ronaldo, but it's not necessarily the youngest players that are excelling, you know. We can't always be ageist and cast off, man. Decore has been called up to play for Mali next month for the first time. Now, I don't know if he's going to accept that. Um, I know he's still, you know, he's been vo very vocal and wanting to be called up for France. And maybe a move to Everton boosts those chances. Not too sure if he'll be taken in with such. Um, to me, anyways, I've seen the first managerial sacking of the season. Amins, or Aminion, forgive me for mispronunciation, have sacked their manager, Luca Elsner. That's the first managerial sacking I've become, I've, that's come to my attention. Um, Higuain, I've never been the biggest Higuain fan, and he had a poor debut for Inter Miami in his MLS debut um, for them against Philadelphia Union. You know, um, he had a penalty saved, and his team also suffered a 3 0 defeat. He almost had the dream start, you know. I'm sure you all saw um, he clipped the post with a bicycle kick in the 20-odd minute. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Sadly, in relation to Corona, Genoa, Italian club Genoa, have reported um, apparently about they've, they've got 14 players and staff and members of staff um, testing positive for COVID people. The team confirmed on Monday, um, which is crazy. You know, they're due, they're due to play their next home match. On, on the 3rd of October and the club say they'll provide updates as the situation evolves. Um, with that being said, apparently Premier League clubs will vote on Tuesday to decide how the season would be ended if it cannot be completed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Clubs agreed in principle on the main points of action if it is cut short at the last meeting in August. The wording of the new rule has been developed over the past few weeks and clubs will, will vote at a shareholders meeting on Tuesday and if the motion is passed, it will be written into Premier League laws. Another vote would then take place at a future date on how many matches will need to have been played for the rules to be applied. BBC apparently said the range will be around two-thirds or three-thirds of games played. If the season has not reached that agreed point, then it would be voided. So again, we want to avoid, avoid a kerfuffle of what happened last year. And also on the theme of COVID, 10 people have tested positive for coronavirus in the latest round of testing conducted by the Premier League. The highest number of positive tests since the season began. A total of 1,900, I'm sorry, 1,595 players and club staff were, put, were tested between the 21st and the 27th. Those who have tested positive who have not been identified now will isolate for 10 days. The Premier League carries out weekly testing for staff at all 20 clubs, as you lot knew. So moving away from that, though, and finally, before I get out of it, I know it's been a longer one than usual, people. Um, let me just scroll down. A rather sad note. As you know me, I don't like ignorance. When I think of a club like Liverpool, I think of working class. Me, in my, in my reality, you know, a lot of people that came over here, like I'm of... I'm a descendant of the Windrush generation. My grandparents came from this, came to this country for a better life, you know, to build stuff. You know, I wouldn't be in England. Or I don't even know if I'd be alive if they didn't. You know, they came here, they had my parents and now I'm here and whatnot. And that's the case for a lot of black people. If not that, their parents have come from the Caribbean or from Africa or whatever and, and done it. Um, and a club like Liverpool, you think of John Barnes. Now, I know I'm not saying Liverpool fans are racist, but you've seen, I've seen racist Villa fans say, I, I love Dion Dublin, but he can't marry my wife. John Barnes, you know, for all his mistakes, has been susceptible of that. We've had nonsense from Arsenal fans, despite our rich black ties with players as well. So I'm not criticising any club or saying it's a direct result of any fan base. But when I think of a club like Liverpool and an area like Liverpool, I think of working class. Liverpool's got one of the oldest and strongest black communities that isn't well known. So when I'm seeing former managers, you know, I don't care if he's 70. People will say he's 70 and he's stuck in his ways. Allowed to come on Liverpool TV, speak in relation to an under-18s game against Man City and refer, when spoken about, forgive me for mispronunciations, but Darko um, Galbi say, refer to it as there's not many normal names. These are the things that belittle people. It might not be normal to you being in England and whatnot, but who's to say that's not a normal name? 
I don't know his meaning, but I know a lot of African people have names of meaning. So I guarantee his name is probably of something of strength. When you belittle someone's name, it shows you're not important. And when it's and when it's more European names and things, I, I don't see this. I really do not see this. I don't see this not normal names business. What is a normal name? What is a normal name? Because I remember, like, with all due respect, I'm not dissing anyone, but I was reading the comments on about this on Twitter and I was seeing someone called Paisley talking about normal names. What the fuck is Paisley? It's ridiculous. A club like Liverpool, with their fan base, with their players, it's ridiculous. You know, Roy Evans, you say normal names. How many players, in the, by your logic, how many players in the first team haven't got normal names? You've got Joe Gomez. You've got Virgil van Dijk. You've got Alisson, you know. <laughs> what's going on you got Mo Salah I know we call him Mo Salah do you genuinely believe his name is Mo as in M-O or M-O-E or is he you know is he going to be in for a shock when he founds out it's Mohammed you know Sadio Mane you know I, not many normal names I, I, I'm not going to go go too far but it's this sort of logic and to say the, have the confidence to fucking say that shit pardon my language on TV what are you saying behind closed doors because that's probably not the first time you know, and this is this is a former Liverpool manager. For what it's worth, Liverpool have written to both the player and Manchester City after after this and said sorry and you know and whatnot. And it is what it is. You know, keep your head high, man. Don't let people belittle you because this is what they do, especially to people that have African last names and stuff. Especially through the schooling system, cause I see it. You know, black kids and other kids are judged differently. You know, you're called aggressive and things, so you're already fighting against it. Then you're already, you know, them them cute little mispronunciations. Oh, is it is it like let's say for instance, is it is it Darko? Can I just call you D? But when man's called but man can say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and all of these mad Spanish names and all of these mad things, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. If it's not racism, it's unconscious bias. And the one saving grace in that in it's in the irony, another man with a not so not so normal name by my man's logic, you know. Ty Soji, you know, a young player is impressing at City. Um, bagged a hat trick and they won. So, you know, take your normal name logic and shove it where the stun don't shine, Roy Evans, man. It's ridiculous. I don't care that he's an old, he's 70 years of age and he's stuck in his ways. You know, he, it might not have come from a place of malice, but this is where man need to go on unconscious bias training or call it for what it is of racism. To say that's not a normal name is a ve- is is a is an unconscious bias. You know, you're only looking at your reality. Because I see man with with Buki names as well, and they're not spoken about. Not that any name is Buki. For me, names are important. Names are a position of strength. If you mispronounce somebody's name or you get at them, you're telling them that they're not important or you don't value them as an as an individual. Um, so it's sad to leave it on a sour note, people. But it is what it is. It's been a fantastic hour speaking to you guys. Um, really enjoyed this podcast if you've enjoyed my podcast please make sure you're alert because we're going to go again on friday you know friday's the day i'll preview the premier league action we'll talk about the cup competitions that's happening today and across the week and obviously we'll speak about any other talking points i've really enjoyed this podcast no lie people um i was actually tired to go and do this but i think it's been a really quality podcast and yeah, man, I appreciate all the support you lot give me across the podcast, across, you know, the, the YouTube, the social medias. The links are all in the description. Make sure you're following across everything, man. Make sure you're sharing up the podcast and you're doing your bit to get its traction going. But other than that, I hope I've provided some quality, whether you're going to work, whether you're in your lunch break, whether you're about to go to bed, you know, whether you're driving your youths to training, you know, whether you're trapping, you know, whether you're riding bang up on the wing. However you're listening to this podcast, it means a lot, man. And it means a lot that you're taking time out of your day to take me in. So it means a lot. Thank you for your time. Until we meet again, people, man. DG, I'm out.